this is Ted and Christy, and we're coming to you with this podcast on Dementia Talks. I promised for some time that I would have Christy join me as part of these podcasts and to help give us a different perspective than just mine around what we've learned around dementia, and uh, specifically in my case, Lewy body dementia. But Christy's learned a whole lot more from, from her perspective, and we, of course, wanted to share that. Before we get started, I want to just say we have, we've kind of broken our discussion into three major categories. One is what is the role of the caregiver or partner during the early stages of dementia. Two, what important things have we learned? Have you learned? Um, and three, are there anything else that, you know, just want to make sure we pass on to people as they're going through the journey of finding out and supporting their loved ones having dementia. So let's get started. Christy, I'll let you jump in. Okay, the first thing I would say as a caregiver is to watch and observe. Um, in the very beginning, you may not notice things or you may notice things that um, you think are just normal. The first thing looking back was when I noticed Ted would, we'd be watching the same um, sitcom and he would laugh about 10 to 20 seconds later than I would at a very funny situation. And at the time I thought it was odd, but now I realize that it was the, my first sign to, to view as his dementia starting out. The other things are to be a reminder. There's a borderline of nagging. And we've sort of made it a statement because they, uh, someone with dementia does tend to be forgetful. And in the beginning, you start to remind, and then you sound like you're nagging. And so now I'll say, honey, I'm reminding you, don't make me nag. Um, so that, those are some things. Also, watch and observe what they are doing. I watched him do his pills this morning. He does a week's worth of pills. I know that there's going to be a time where I'm going to have to take that over. So I want him to keep very good notes for me as to what his medications are. Other things, he does all the finances. And now I am learning all that process. Whatever he does around the house, I need to sort of learn and watch. And because I'm going to be taking that over. Better to do it early than late. So what, from that, those, what you just covered is the role of a, a partner versus a caregiver. Is there a difference in the early stage or is it? Well, yeah, you're in it together. You watch and observe, you make sure that you're on task instead of doing it for you. That's being a partner in this is much more important in watching and observing. So the role of the caregiver comes later, or it is just yeah, I would a different so. definition? Okay. I would say so. What about, so let's talk about some of the no, second item on our agenda, which are some of the important things that you've learned. I kind of took notes as a reminder, but I'm going to let you discuss. I, we, I don't have them in any particular order on our notes, so I'm going to let you pick which ones are most important and kind of fill in the dots of what, what people should understand. Around the things you've learned. 
Okay, um, making everyone aware of the situation so that they're, whether it's your family, whether it's your children, whether it's friends, even people in the, um, you check into a hotel and Ted has a card that he presents to anywhere that he's going to have to converse with someone because it does take longer to answer questions. And instead of having to explain it to somebody, they can read it on the card. Make sure that they do, don't do for them. Don't do for the person with dementia. Let them do it for themselves as long as they can. Get a good support system. The support system that we have is basically friends. We don't have a lot of family. So uh, we have great friends that reach out to us and um, check in with Ted or I, and that's very important to know who you can call if you need to have some help. They always say take care of yourself. I don't feel that that's that important till later, but yes, I do things for myself. I like to sew and I continue to do that. Look ahead in the future. Don't think just one day ahead, six months to a year. This can change. You'll notice changes. And then once they change, they don't necessarily come back to 100%. It's not like the flu when or a cold. You get sick and you come back. Once they forget something um, or start to change in a direction, they may not return completely to where they were. What have you learned from, I mean, we're all surrounded by social media, right? This is social media. Uh, we're trying to get the word out about what dementia is um, from a real life point of view. Uh, but what things have you learned to, from social media and things that you've learned to avoid, you know, in, in terms of social media sites? Okay. I take, I stay away from getting too much information um, because each person is very different. Each situation is very different. I am, my spouse, handling my spouse is different than a parent or a sibling. If I had a sister in, 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 with dementia, I would play a different role than you do with your husband. And so once we start looking at everyone else and watching what they're doing on social media, it can get a little daunting and you can fall down or fall down a rabbit hole. And so I do, I am on a Facebook page for Louis, caregivers of Louis body dementia. I glance at it um, and it scares me um, because I know that's what's coming. So I stay away from it so that I can enjoy every day as we have now. So one of the items that we put down on our list was um, not to avoid tough subjects. Christy and I have a very open relationship. I think for me, a large part of that is grounded in my, my, my in being a Christian and my belief in following Jesus. And quite frankly, I know that we all die and I just want to be able to serve as long as I can. And part of this 
podcast and the website are ministries and someday they won't last. But what, you know, are there, are there tough subjects that you should avoid or, or, and I mean, what do you, what would your advice be to others around these tough kind of subjects around to what's coming in the future, death and what have you? Um, address them, but don't dwell on them. I know that there'll be a time where I'm going, we'll, I'll be showering him and doing other tasks that a spouse does not look forward to doing, but that's not what we're doing today. A lot can happen between now and then. And so we just enjoy doing what we're doing and um, addressing each day and know it's going to be different in the future. You, you mentioned um, just in passing the look ahead six months or a year and, and, and kind of putting a plan in place. Obviously, we all know plans tend to not go always the way that you want them to, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, certainly in our life um, a, a mantra is plans don't always work out, right? right? right. But what, do you, what would you advise people around you know, that six month window versus the one year window. And obviously beyond that is, is where we all get ourselves in trouble. Right. Right. Well, um, one thing is be very flexible. Um, and allow for error, allow for mistakes. Um, but you know, if your partner says, Oh, let's go do this. And then they change their mind at the last minute, let it go. Sometimes that's hard, especially if you've been married um, for 42 years. But just understand that they are struggling to do things in a positive way. And if they don't feel positive about doing it, then just change your plans at the last minute. It's one thing we have great friends that will say, if Ted's not up to it, you don't need to come. We understand. And so that's, you know, that's some things you have to do. Um, you mentioned that you are in, the, and I'm, I'm going to give another shout out to Tifa Snow. Um, we're really, we're really impressed with her approach. Uh, although obviously she serves uh, organizations that are for caregivers and and also for healthcare organizations and uh, people who um, are professionals in in this in this field. But Tifa has. Um, a unique way of addressing that in that she stays current and stays cognitive of what it's like to really have dementia, whether it be Alzheimer's, Lewy body, uh, frontal lobe or uh, vascular, etc. There's so many types of dementia. But but she helps and supports people that, that have decided to take a positive approach to this and she helps people understand that they can take a positive approach. You've been connected with her and some other groups. What, um, these small groups, they aren't very large. They're, they're, 10, 12. Yeah. So what have you, I mean, you said don't take away too much because their, their story is different than your story, but what have you, have you taken away that really has helped you? That there's no rules, there's no manual, <laughs> there's nothing set in stone, there's no outline that you're gonna follow. Every day, every change is independent from anyone else. So um, if you hear somebody say, well, my, my partner, my, um, my care partner um, doing this, 
the person you're caring for may never do that. So, and, or yours might, your partner might be doing things that they've never heard of in your group. So you're just there for each other and say, wow, okay. And take away what you can from it. You um, identify one thing to me that I, I actually, I give credit to Cleveland Clinic as a whole, and I certainly give credit to Dr. McDonald, our neurologist that has helped us through this process. But um, you called, you said something else about a, a doctor, uh, how, you know, what, what you should, how you should um, look for and identify getting the right kind of doctor. Well, it depends on your location. If you're, um, you know, it depends on where you are. We're three and a half hours from Cleveland, so we feel that that's a good place. Um, to go. In South Bend, there are some good neurologists, but there are so many different forms of dementia that it's hard to find one particular part doctor. What you do want is a doctor that will give you suggestions on where to go and what to do to help your dementia partner. Any particular things that you in our work with Dr. McDonald or the other doctors at Cleveland that stand out? Do um, I can't think of one thing right off the bat. Uh, if you can, tell me, and then I'll agree. <laughs> I think the um, his positive nature and the encouragements about my positive nature um, are are contagious, right? There was a point where he was looking at going to another hospital, another um, location. location and we were quite disappointed and and that's because you know the doctor can be that uh, touchstone that can help you sort out what's um real versus not real right mm -hmm. um or uh, so uh, they don't think they want to tell you everything that they think is coming in the future uh they obviously know a whole lot more than us um in many ways uh, but he's very good at dealing with the here and now, what, where, how, where am I at, and how am I progressing, and, and how are we doing, as opposed to really shocking us into um, what's coming. Um, yeah. It's an individual, if anybody's ever had a student with an IEP, Individualized Personal Instruction Plan, it's, there's no prescription for this. There's no outline. There's, it should just take every day, every week, every month, and move on. Um, one of the things that's important, and this is, I'm going to touch it from two points of view, and this is, um, I've written about, it's the importance for a person with dementia to have a hobby, to keep themselves occupied, to, to um, even though some of the things that they couldn't do in the past that they love, that there are things which can enrich their lives and what have you. But I think there's, I, I haven't spent enough time. I know I haven't spent enough time talking about the other side of that equation because we are partners. You have something that kind of fills that answer. You want to tell I us think, about? <laughs> yes. Um, we're fortunate that um, we're both retired so we can stay at home. I don't have to juggle a job um, or children or caring for grandchildren or anything else. In this picture but as a care partner you have to stay home more than you may like to 
I was never a big shopper. I like to go to lunch. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have to find my entertainment outside of the home. I find it in sewing and knitting. I don't knit as much. I knit on the road. I knit. I sew at home. Um, so that when I go into my studio, I'm still at home. I, I know that he's safe. I know he's fine. And I can go about my business and do what I enjoy instead of sitting and saying, well, gee, I've got to stay home because he needs my attention. It's not a problem. I like to stay home and sell. It almost seems like if you did that, it becomes like an IOU or or you're building up a debt that the other person can't cash because they don't even know, they don't know that you begrudgingly, for lack of better right, words, right. or, or um, disappointingly is maybe a better word, staying home or what have you. And I know her passion for sewing and somewhat for knitting. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's Worth swear words with knitting. <laughs> that's right, especially when she has to unravel it. But I know that... Um, the, the passion that she has for sewing. So I know that the fact that she's here and doing it isn't something that is being done begrudgingly that she has to be home. All of us though, I know she just mentioned like going to lunch or what have you with friends or whatever, obviously um, staying social, stay in contact with other people is extremely important. Uh, COVID, right, has been a, a detriment yeah, to everyone, right? right? Um, that is one thing that uh, I think we're just starting to understand how detrimental COVID has been, not just to people, but people who have dementia because the lack of socialization. Socialization for people with dementia is important to a limit, right? You do too much, it's a problem, as Christy's mentioned. But it's also social, uh, it's also very important for the caregivers, right? They right. need that outside contact with people that are part of the, their support group. Right, part of the the outside um, strengths that people that people need as a, as part of the community, for lack of better words, as part of the community. I want to say something about family. Everybody's family is very different. We have a very small family. I think I mentioned that earlier, but some caregivers and dementia patients can be rely on their family. We have two daughters. One lives in New Zealand. She is not, she can listen. Um, but, and the other one has got two young children and lives about an hour and a half away. I try to not dump on them, if I can use that word, sometimes the frustrations that I have because they can't do anything um, to help. So I do have friends that I can dump on, which is pretty nice. So in the, in the last, um, as we're hitting, we just hit the um, 20 minute mark, which is a little long for our podcast, but I think we've covered a lot of things. We, like I said, we may break this into part one and part two, but what's the one of the last things you would want to leave people with? Have a sense of humor and laugh. And Ted has an amazing uh, laugh. And I just, um, I'll say things um, and sometimes tongue in cheek, and we both laugh about it. And um, to address and, you know, make fun, of, make fun about what's going on. Because if you're just, you know, down in the dumps about it, it's going to only make it worse. 
Actually, and just before closing, I think there's actually science behind that. Okay. Um, because laughter releases, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's endorphins. Okay. But, right. Okay. Um, yeah. It may, I, you feel free to correct me so everybody knows. But I do know that there is something positive in our brains that gets released when we laugh. And uh, so maybe that's one of the best things that we can mm -hmm. leave you with is, um, you know, life, there's still a lot of things in life that you can enjoy, uh, particularly in the early stages, uh, since somehow you appreciate things more mm -hmm. uh, because um, you know that's going to progress. Uh, but then as part of that appreciating life more, if laughter is part of that medicine, it probably helps you, right? There's, there's probably medical uh, evidence that it's helping you. So for more than one reason, laughter may be one of the best medicines. I'm going to, we're going to leave you with this. And this is Ted and Christy. And we are with Dementia Talks. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we'll see you next time.